Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want everyone here at Go Church and everyone who's watching online, our streaming family, I want all of you to be very comfortable today. And that's why we're going to talk about money. Just very comfortable subject. Let me ask you this. Be honest with me. Be honest with each other. How many of you here today, you wouldn't mind being a little bit rich? A little bit rich. Put a hand up. Wouldn't mind it. I'm imagining the hands up with a little bling bling, maybe. Let me ask you this question. How many of you know someone that you would consider to be a little bit rich? You know somebody like that? Yeah, a lot of hands, a lot of hands. You don't have to respond to this question, but let me ask you to contemplate your answer. Have you ever thought, I would be so much better at being rich than they are? I can just do it better. Like, I could just do rich better than them. Money. So we're going to have some fun today. We always have fun to go to church, so we're going to have some fun. So help me finish this old school lyric, all right? Help me finish this. Money, 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 money. Oh, that's good. That was actually kind of fun. I might go double dip that, but no, we won't. We're going to talk about money today. Talk about money today. I want you to begin to open up your heart. I want you to begin to open up your mind. I want you to begin to think about 2020. Think about this series that we're in. We started it last week, big picture. Kind of zoom out for a second. We started chasing carrots, the endless, 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 endless pursuit of more. Everyone say more. More, just more stuff, more things, more stuff, more money more everything. So this endless pursuit of more and more and more, what are we chasing? We are evaluating what we're chasing. So last week we talked about the idea of chasing after fame. Now for some of you it was like, oh, I ain't got no problem with that. I don't have any problem. I don't have any thoughts about being famous. Then we got into like micro fame and what that might mean. So I want to encourage you, jump on our YouTube channel, go and watch that or watch it again. Let God stir some things up in you. Next week, We're going to continue this series, probably my favorite week, and we're going to talk about the endless pursuit of perfection. Perfection, let me tell you, I've been working on my message. It is going to be perfect. (laughs) I mean, I got the outfit already picked out. Hair's going to be good. It is going to be on. So that's going to be a good one. Today, we, of course, are talking about the endless pursuit of more money, more moolah, more cash, more discretionary income, more finances, and I want us to open up our heart and life and be willing to dig in, follow the money, see where it leads, see what God has to say. Now, you guys have already responded and said, you know, you wouldn't mind being a little bit rich. Let me ask you, what would you do for five million bucks? What would you do for five million dollars? We'll go ahead and make it tax-free. Make it a whole five million. What would you do? So interesting survey, interesting article that I found that asked that very question. What would you do for five million bucks? Survey said 54% of people said that they would listen to country music for the rest of their lives for five million bucks. Some of you are like, it's not worth it. 
Other you're like, I've already got friends in low places. I'm good. I'll do it. I'll do that for free. Forty-two <laughs> percent of those surveys said they would have all of their teeth removed. I'm thinking probably like upgrading, maybe like a little bling, a little grill, little implants. But they would be willing to get them yanked. I do not like the dentist. That hurt me to read. And then it got, honestly, a little dark quick. Scary stat, in my opinion, 50% said for $5 million, they would let one random person on the earth die. That's a little bit scary, right? A little bit deep dive right there. And the one that probably shocked me the most, 95% said for $5 million, they would kill their own pastor. (laughs) I'm just messing with y'all. Don't get any ideas, okay? I carry two guns at all times. BB guns. Little BB guns. Little dad joke. Money, money, money. Why are we going to talk about money today? Maybe you're here and you're like, oh, great. I came on Money Sunday? What? This is the day that I brought my friend. It's Money Sunday? What? Here's why we're going to talk about it. Because Jesus talked about it a lot. And as disciples of Christ, which is what we're all called to be, a disciple is like a lifelong learner. You know, if you were to dedicate yourself to any kind of an art, you know, whether it's music or dance, you're always learning and growing and getting better. It's the same way in our relationship with God. It's not like a one-and-done prayer. I'm good. All good. Just kind of check in, check out. I'm all good. It's this continual pursuit of getting closer to God. We need to keep building a willingness and to become comfortable talking about uncomfortable things. You know, some things are just kind of awkward to talk about or hard to talk about. Money can be one of those things, but the Bible has a lot to say about it. The Bible also has a lot to say about relationships, about marriage, about communication, about sexuality, about money. And so we can be the kind of people that are like, oh yeah, I love the Bible, except like this one page kind of bothers me, so I'll just throw that out. And yes, great, great, great. Ooh, that part about forgiving people. Um, Sharpie, don't like that. Or we can be the kind of people that we're called to be, disciples willing to dig in, willing to listen, willing to change. So Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven or hell combined. So I want every student in the house, if you're a student, let me see a hand in the air. You're a student. I don't care how young you are. Yes, yes, yes. Lots of students in the house. I don't care how old you are. All the students in the house. I want you to grow today. All the parents, I want you to grow. All the grandparents, I want you to go. If you have ever received or earned or spent money, handled money in any way, this message is going to be so relevant and challenging to you. So I'm excited to get into it. Jesus talked about it, and I want us to get into it. Why did Jesus talk about it? Jesus knew and knows that if you... Follow the money. If you track it, you will discover your heart. Personalize it. If you follow your money, you will discover your priorities. If you figure out how you're handling money, you will figure out what's important to you, really. So let's get into this. One big thing, write this down. Let it mess with you in a good way. One big thing, means without meaning 
is meaningless. Means without meaning is meaningless. All the students in the house, means, what I mean by that is money, okay? Money without meaning is meaningless. Stuff without meaning is meaningless, okay? I want us to get into what Jesus talks about concerning the continual pursuit of more. Luke chapter 12, we're in this today, verse 15. Speaking to the people, he went on. This is Jesus talking to people. Jesus is talking to folks. Speaking to the people, he went on, take care. Take care. Now, if you read this scripture in other translations, now if you're new to the Bible, you can read the Bible in different translations. It's worded a little bit differently. You would see like in the New International Version, it would say something like, watch out. Be careful. This is in the message paraphrase of the Bible. But if you read other translations, it's this idea of take notice, okay? On guard, watch out, protect yourself. Here we go. He's like, take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. I want you to help me with that least part. When we get to that word again, I want you to go least. Kids, help me out here, all right? Take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed not the maximum amount of greed right it's not like jesus is saying now look if you're 70 percent greed it's all good just don't go 75 he's like the least bit of greed watch out pay attention life is not defined by what you have even when you have a lot jesus uses this word greed the New Testament, written in Greek, Greek word for this, it literally means the continued thirst for more. Like imagine always drinking, but always feeling thirsty at the same time. Like it doesn't matter how much I drink, I just, I always feel thirsty, that'd be annoying, right? The continual endless, 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 endless pursuit of more. Jesus is saying, watch out for the least amount of greed and then he goes on to tell this phenomenal story and i don't want us to miss out on it let's read the whole thing in context as a package okay so kiddos listen up we're going into verse 16 this is what jesus said he tells them a story then he told them the story the farm of a certain rich man everyone say rich rich the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop he talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I will, big, I will build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life, exclamation point. Then look at verse 20. Just then, God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die, and your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. That's an interesting story. A lot of things going on with the story. But one of the things that is most interesting to me is that Jesus never says, grain is evil. Stay away from it. Do not have any grain. A barn full of grain. 
evil. He doesn't say that, does he? In the same way, I don't think that you can make a strong case that money in and of itself is evil, inherently evil. That's different from the love of money or the thirsting and thirsting and thirsting and serving and serving and serving of money. But he doesn't say the barn of grain is evil, the barn of money is evil. What does he say? Like literally, what does he say? The barn full of self is evil. The barn full of self. Damon, why don't you hit this mic and push it up a little bit so I don't blow the voice out. I love that about Jesus. The barn full of self, that's what's evil. And more than that, it's a little bit tragic and a little bit sad. He also kind of alludes to, we don't know what's going to happen in this life, right? He's like, man, things can happen. Like, you're not assured of tomorrow. You don't know exactly what's going to happen with the market. You can be rich one day, poor another day, alive one day, not alive two years from now. I mean, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We need to live in a way that's ready all the time. So here's what Jesus is saying. More stuff, more cash, more, 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 more things. It leads you to a place where you don't have money. Money has you. It has you. You're not a person that has discretionary income. Greed has wrapped his hands around your neck. You don't have it, it has you. And that is not a way to live that's freeing. Like I think our economy sometimes, it forces on us like always saying, you need it, it's the new thing, it's the upgrade, you need it. You've got to have it, it's how the economy works. Get out, do the thing, that's old, get rid of it. Upgrade, 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 because it helps the economy turn, and it helps it turn and turn and turn. And then it has you. Like if you feel like, I have to always have. What if you didn't feel like that? Like what if you felt the freedom of, well, I don't have to do any of that if I don't want to. I'm not serving that. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to allow him to work on my heart. I'm going to use what God has put into my life in a way to bring him glory. Now, am I making a case that it is somehow theologically evil to go and upgrade to the new iPhone 12? I hope not because I'm about to. It's, <laughs> it is just time, people. It just is. I'm not saying that. I want you to hear the heart in which I'm saying. I love you enough to push you in an uncomfortable area today. Do you have money or does money have you? Are you willing to follow your money and see where it goes? See where it leads. See what you can find about yourself. If you ever come to that place where money has you, never are the words of Jesus more true. And I quote, you cannot serve money and God. You will love one and you will hate the other. So students, college students, young adults, young professionals, I want you to think about what are some of the main goals in your life? Is it really just to attain a certain kind of employment or title? Is it to attain a certain level of discretionary income? Like somewhere in the back of your head, do you feel like, man, if I can just make like maybe 175000 a year, or I'm going to try to make at least 500000 a year, or you have this in your head, like, if I can just get to this place, then I'm going to be good. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be secure. 
Let me ask you this. How much money do you need to be rich? The answer is more than what you have. (laughs) It doesn't matter how rich you are. Jeff Bezos, right? Used to be the richest. Do you know who the richest is now? That's right. That's right. Just surpass. And I guarantee you, he's not like, all right, I'm good. He's like, how can I get on Mars? It's going to take some money to do that. I'm going to liquidate everything to get to Mars. I want you to think about what drives you. There is a difference. Watch this. You guys have to get this today. There is a difference between having money and money having you. There is a difference between having money and serving money. Having money is this attitude like, I mean, all of this is the Lord's. I mean, I have it in the sense of I have access to it, but the house I live in is really not mine. The clothes I'm wearing really aren't mine. The car I'm driving is really not mine. My employment's really not mine. This money is not mine. This is the Lord's. I'm in charge of managing it, but I'll do anything God wants me to do with it. I got no problem with that. It's just stuff. I can't take it with me. I'm going to honor God. These kind of people are always generous. They're always returning at least 10% to the Lord. They're giving to missions. They're helping the poor. They don't have this attachment. They're not serving it. They might have it, and there's nothing wrong with it. They can bring glory to God with how they manage it. There's a big difference between having and serving. The other attitude is like, this money is mine. Mine. Nobody gave this to me. I earned it. This is mine. This is my house. I'm the one who went to school. I'm the one who went through all of those internships. I'm the one who went through all of those crazy specialized residency. I'm the one who put out all the blood, sweat, and tears. This is mine. All of these things. I'm going to do what I want with what I've earned because it is mine. I am a self-made man. I am a self-made woman. Really? I think you're more like a God-made man or a God-made woman. Did you create yourself? If you think that you did, I'd like to have a talk with you. (laughs) Either talk with you or run away from you. (laughs) Maybe both. Look, we have to have perspective here. We did not create ourselves. God has created us. What if, like, what if right now is the moment, maybe the first time in your life, you're starting to really consider, what if the gifts that I have, the things that I'm good at, that I have kind of a natural knack at, I've put some hard work into it, some effort, some discipline, some unction, like I've tried, but I've got some things that I'm just, kind of good at what if God put that in you what if God put skills in you and that when you excel in these when you combine his giftings with your hard work and things start to happen imagine living in a way that honors that and saying I am going to honor God with what he's put into my life time talent treasure, ability. God has given you the ability to earn. This is tough, real, biblical truth. That is the freeing way to live. Have it, but don't serve it. Honor God with what he's brought into your life. Means without meaning is meaningless. So how can we get some traction in this? I was thinking about 
this can be a challenging truth. You know, it's very practical. But I want to challenge you with a thought. Biblical information without transformation, all it's going to do is build a callus in your heart and lead you to a place of infinite frustration. If you develop a habit of hearing truth from God's word and then refusing to do it, you're creating a callus of disobedience. You're creating muscle memory that says, if I read something in the Bible that I don't like or makes me uncomfortable, I will just not do it. Not for me. You're creating resistance. So today, I am praying that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we move from information to transformation because belief without behavior doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. James, faith without action is dead. So I want you to think about the things that we've even gone over just this year, talking about forgiveness, talking about pride, talking about greed, talking about pursuing God. Once we learn something, we're accountable for something. So how can we make some practical progress with this biblical truth about having money, not serving money? I want to give you one big action. Write this down. It's a super practical. Write it down. I want to challenge you to begin to do it today, this week. I will follow my money. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to follow it, see where it goes. Your money, okay? The stuff that you're responsible for. I will follow my money and take action. Let's see what Jesus has to say about this idea of money and heart. This is Matthew chapter 6 in the Amplified Version. It says this, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, you got to track with this, okay? All of today is really built on this truth in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, desires, that on which your life centers will be also. If you follow the money, you will find your heart. If you will follow your money, you will discover what is important to you. And now is a perfect time to do this. I don't want to be a killjoy here, but now is probably a good time to get your taxes ready. I know. Oh, I know, I know. Now would be a good time to start getting all the information out. Now is a perfect time, man. Get into software. If you have software that kind of keeps track of stuff, run all those reports and start checking it out. If you've got to go old school, if you're like, software? Uh, no. <laughs> Switch to manual. It's time to print off those bank statements, baby, and start going through, categorizing, figuring out where this goes and where that goes, and start thinking about your giving because giving will change your life in an amazing godly way. Becky was texting with a great Go Church woman this week, and she sent her this text. I wanted to share it with you. I just thought it was so encouraging. Look what she sent Becky. Because of Nick's message on tithing a few years back, I was stimulated to create an LLC for my business, run all the transactions through the business, account to better understand how much I earn through it, better account for it and tithe. I'm extremely grateful for that seemingly small push from him that's helped me in my professional life. I feel like there's a lot of typos in that. I physically typed it, and I don't know about that. It's about like how I text. <laughs> like, 
What I love about this is at the end of it, it's like, here's the results. Like, I did this. I've been doing this for a year. And it's like, God is so amazing. I've seen some great stuff happen in my professional life. That's what happens when you trust God. Out of obedience comes abundance. It's not restrictive. It's not guilty. If you are already feeling like, oh, money, like, I just feel dirty and, like, guilty. And you don't have to feel that way. When you learn to start honoring God with what God brings into your life, this is one of the most encouraging things, one of the most amazing things that you can see happen in your life when you start to do it and start to see God be faithful. It starts to change you. So I want to challenge you to honor God. It's not a Nick idea. It's not a Go Church idea. It's a Bible idea. It's a God idea. And I want to give you some quick thoughts. Everybody say quick. These are going to be quick. I want you to write these down quickly a couple of nick quick thoughts on following the money and taking action following the money and taking action here's the good news i've good news for you we're rich we are if you compare us to really the rest of the world about three billion people are living on two dollars a day now i get it economies are different cost of living okay i get all that i'm not an idiot Okay, but it's $2 a day. Fudge it however you want, okay? Most of you drove to church today. And if you drove anything to church today, you're in the top 15% of earners worldwide. And if you stopped and got coffee today, coffee for your family, you drive to Starbucks to get coffee for your family, you're like, did we not just order lunch? <laughs> <laughs> No more fraps for you. Think about that. We're rich, okay? That's good news. Quick thought number one, we are rich. We need to keep this in mind that we are in a blessed position, I feel. If you have traveled the world at all, if you've done any kind of mission trip at all, I remember the very first time I went to South Africa, we were serving together and we were down there and I saw the AIDS graves and the condition of some of the living and the families and you're there a couple of days, and you're like, oh, this is like really hard and sad. And then you start to notice three or four days in, yes, it's hard and it's concerning, but people seem to be amazingly happy. Hmm. They don't seem that stressed. Their family's pretty tight. You start to notice, like, there's a lot of people in America that would pay big money to have a marriage like that. Kids that want to be around them like that. We're rich. Let's keep it in mind. Quick thought number two, bad news. We're rich. Okay? <laughs> bad news. Jesus literally says it is harder, exponentially harder for somebody with wealth to enter in the kingdom of God. And it's not because money in and of itself I think is evil. It's because he knows our tendency to be swayed by maybe just self or selfishness. It's just a shiny thing. We struggle with it. Once you start attaining some wealth, you don't ever want to lose it. And so it becomes this complicated thing. It's harder for a rich person to enter in the kingdom of God, I think, because we're so easily distracted. That's bad news. Quick talk number two. Now three, my challenge to you, follow your money this week. Super practical. Get into the software, get into the bank statements, and just start evaluating yourself, your family. And start looking. Now, if you discover, wow, I really support the ministry of Lulumon and Peloton 
and I'm shopping like it's a marathon, and wow, all the fellas in the house. I spent how much on golf? Equipment, balls, time, vacations, green fees, on and on, hobbies, okay? You start looking, and it's like, wow, I didn't realize vacation or travel or mountain or this or that or sports. If you're supporting all of that, and then you compare that to how much kingdom giving that you're doing in your life, and you're like, oh, it's time to take action. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to help you feel loved and motivated, okay? Your finances and the way that you handle what God has brought into your life, it reveals your priorities, okay? So get into your finances this week and take action. Number four, I have a goal for you. It's a goal for our own family. It's even a little looser than the goal we have for our family. I want to give it to you. Set a goal for giving this year, 2021. Set a goal for giving to be in the top five categories of the year. Like you get to the end of the year, be able to look back and say, check that out. From 2020 to 2021, giving is now top five. You know, maybe it's below all house stuff and mortgage. You know, maybe God's blessing you pay that thing off. Giving could be maybe number one. We're still working on that. We're not quite there, but we're working on it. Top five. Now you've got to model this. I want to challenge you parents, okay? And kids in the house. Kids, you got money. My boys have a bank account. I bet you have some money around. I, start, I want you kids, okay, all the students start thinking about money. What you do with money matters. Are you honoring God with what he's brought into your life? I want to challenge you, family. Sit down and process this together, like with your kids, okay? With your kids, set a goal as a family so you can maybe start looking every month. Here's what we did. Check this out. We decided to do this. God's done that. And then check out this other month. We gave to missions. We went downtown. We partnered. Urban Outreach. We did this. We did that. Look what God is doing. God is being faithful. You see, generosity as well as faith, parents, listen to me, is caught. It is not taught. I have had parents come to me over the last year and be like, I'm super concerned. I feel like my kid is like falling away from God. It's like they don't believe in Jesus anymore. They're struggling with their faith. And what is the killer for me is I'm looking at this parent and I haven't seen them. Their relationship with God is falling away. They don't have the joy of God in their heart. They're not really following it, but they're worried about their kid. Parents, the best thing that you can do for your kid is to look at the person in the mirror and say, person in the mirror, it is time to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. Faith is caught not taught. If you want your kids to be generous, hello? You want your kids to be faithful with the things of God? Hello? I run into parents sometimes like, oh, you know, little Johnny wouldn't get out of bed, or, you know, little Susie didn't want to go to church, so, you know, yeah, I can't get out of church. You do the same thing with school? Ouch. Little, John, little Johnny and little Susie like, I just don't really feel like going to school. I don't really feel like getting online today. Oh, hey, I got news for you. You're getting up. You're going to learn. You don't have the option to be uneducated in this house. You're going to get on. You're going to learn. You're going to go to school. You're going to do your thing. Same way with faith. If you're going to be a family that prioritizes God, prioritize it. I'm all in. I'm going to go all in, okay? I've gotten so far, I'm going to go all the way in. Dad's in the house. Mom's in the house. You set the tone. 
You set the pace. This is the kind of family we are. And I want you to know, look, we go to the mountains, we ski, my boys play sports, we are blessed to have some nice material things, but we don't serve any of that. We serve the Lord. We value and prioritize God and the people of God. I'm challenging you to do the same model the way. Number five, take action and tithe. It's just a biblical principle that I've seen work in my life so long, I've got to challenge you to do it. Now, if you're here and you're like, what's that mean? I never heard that word. That's a Bible word. And what that means is returning 10% of everything that God brings into my life back to him. I'm going to do it every month. Every month, I'm going to do it. Leads me to the next one, six. It might take some time. It might. It might be a hard, you know, like, switch to flip. You're thinking, you're doing the math in your head. You're like, that's a lot of money. It's enough. I think God is so smart in this. It's enough to make you pray. If your giving is not leading you to pray, you ain't giving enough. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're like, we give, I forgot we even gave. I don't even know. I mean, if you look and it's like, oh yeah, that thing, was, I, didn't even, I forgot about it. You know you're giving right when you're like, Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, we're doing this again. I'm trusting you again. I'm honoring, you know, this. And I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to push it in the kingdom. When you're praying, you know you're giving about the right amount. But it might take some time. So here's a practical challenge for you. Double what you do until you get there. Take where you're at. Say, so here's where I'm at. I'm going to double that. Next month, I'm just going to double that. I'm going to start planning, tracking, work with the kids, praying, honoring, giving, adjusting, double it. Do it again, do it again, do it again until you build that muscle memory of giving automatically. I want you to think for a second. Fast forward, you're old. <laughs> Whatever age that is for you. Fast forward, you're old, okay? You've got kids, grandkids, maybe great-grandkids. You're thinking legacy now, okay? How amazing would it be to be able to look back multi-generational and see how God has used your faithfulness, your willingness not to be perfect, but to model the way with your family in generosity and faith and giving, to be able to look back and say, man, God used me to do this and to build that and to help over here and to make this ministry happen. And this is where I volunteered and served. And this is, I mean, I always brought the kids. And then we started bringing the grandkids and it starts to build and build and build. That is a life. You look back and you think, wow, God is amazing. You have money. Money doesn't have you. Think about how free you would feel to be able to talk about money, think about money, and feel excited. Like, I cannot wait. It's the end of the year. You know, Go Church about to send me my contribution statement. I cannot wait. Look what God's done. I'm telling you, it's a completely different way to feel and to live, and it's so freeing. I don't want to see you strapped in. You know, like the economy strapping you in saying, you got it, you got it, you got it, you need to upgrade, you need to do these things. I understand it's hard to flip the switch, but I remember when the switch was flipped for me, first year of marriage. I mean, the first year of marriage can be crazy, right? <laughs> first year of marriage, okay? So this is all the way back, 2000. Becky and I, through with school, undergrad, University of Oklahoma, had a job, we were trying to save money to go into a ministerial graduate level internship program. Becky has always been a much more natural, willing person to give. 
I'm more like, we will count every dollar. And it kind of scares me to give. I'm kind of thinking like 20 years ago, like, well, like, I'm giving my life, okay, to ministry. Okay, so I need as much money as we can pull together to make that happen. So I start making these deals with God. You're like, I'll give you some time and I ain't giving you no money. So we had a little bit tension point. So I'm trying to raise money. I'm trying to do this stuff, which is very ironic. It's like I'm trying to raise money to do ministry while I'm unwilling to give money, and it was weird. I'm at a church event, and I left this thing in my car on purpose. It's called a checkbook. Now, y'all teenagers, you don't even know what that is. It's paper you write on that can turn into money. I left the checkbook in the car on purpose because I knew. I bet they take up an offering in this thing, and I am not even going to have the option. I'm leaving it in the car, so I left it. And then here comes offering, and wouldn't you know it, I'm sitting there, and the guy's talking. I don't even hear what he's saying. I'm like, let's just get through it. But I feel the Lord work on my heart. And he's like, why are you afraid? And I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, that's really what it is. I'm scared of not having enough. That's what it is. I'm, I'm afraid I won't have enough to do. I won't be able to provide for my family. And then the Lord just kept hammering me. He's like, are you the ultimate source of your life? I'm like, well, no. He's like, do you trust me? I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> so I just felt impressed. Go out. So I had to go out to my car. I had to get that checkbook. I started to write this check. And I remember my hand is literally shaking. I'm sweating. Because it was a pretty huge percentage of what we had. But I felt like God wanted me to give it. And I did. And I had to track the people down inside. They like finished. I'm like, where are the people? Where are the volunteers? So we find them. And I'm like, can I, I have one thing to give. Can I give? And I'm like, sure. So I put it in. And I still remember putting it in and it was almost as I put it in it was like I'm letting go of this thing of fear I'm not going to be afraid anymore to trust God I'm going to trust him and from that point forward it was just a defining moment for me now is that to say giving gets easy no if you're waiting for giving to get easy before you start to give you will never if you're expecting faith to get easy before you believe, it will never, and you won't ever. But it's worth it to see God pull it all together. So I want us to pray today. I want us to pray God's strength. I want us to pray God's presence. I want us to pray that God would give us the willingness to step out and seek Him and obey Him and giving and in all things, but to trust Him in that way to flip that switch. So can we do this? Can we stand to our feet? Can we just stand up together as a team? Can we position ourselves here today to say, God, we need you? And can we pray together as a team? God, we come to you and we bring it all to you. We bring all of our finances, all of our life, all of our situation, got all of our concerns and fears. And we say, God, we need your help today. We want to honor you with what you've given to us to manage. But God, I pray that you would help squash fear. God, if there's weird, twisted guilt, you know, maybe there are some brothers and sisters, friends here today, God, your kids, that they've had some bad experience with like church and money and weirdness, and it's been a hard obstacle. God, I pray healing for that right now, restoration for that right now. If you're here, you're a follower of Jesus, you love the Lord, but you feel like God is stretching you. 
you feel like God is working on your heart to grow in some of this stuff today, would you put a hand in the air and say, that's me. I've been feeling it today. I want to do something about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. That's just being a disciple of Christ, following, following, following. Hmm. Maybe you're here today and you've never actually trusted. We're not talking about money. We're talking about life. You've never really trusted your life in the hands of God. Here's the gospel, that God loves you so much, he gave his son Jesus. Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay for our sins, yours and mine together. He died on that cross. They pulled him down. They put him into a tomb. One day, two days, but on the third day, God raised him back from the dead. He's alive. He has a plan for your life. How do you activate the plan? The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer with me right now. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me out loud. Pray this. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I am making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.